Good morning, all. What a beautiful weekend we've had. I took a couple days off this week, got back uh, away from work a little bit, refocused, uh, and rededicated some time and energy back to the things that truly matter. Uh, if you would, bow your heads with me this morning as we pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are so thankful for to come together, united by the Spirit, Lord, uh, seeking you, seeking your presence in our lives, God, your direction, your vision. Lord, I pray that uh, we can line up in your purpose and your will in our lives, each and every one of us, Lord, as it's going to be different for all of us, but all of it is also going to be the same. Lord, as we have one purpose, and that's to follow you, to walk like you, to talk like you. God, help us get back to the core. Lord, help us get back to love for one another. Lord, help us get back to our true desire, which should be you and only you. God, I am thankful for the word that you gave, Lord, and the things that have happened this week. And, uh, Lord, I'm thankful for church family and friends. Lord, most of all, I'm thankful for the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to share a little story. Yesterday, we put together some bags for the youth. And, and delivered them uh, with some help of some other uh, church family that came and we assembled together. But I just want to talk to you about how the Lord uses a multitude of people to make one single thing happen. And how it takes God's children saying yes to align these things. God will ultimately get his will done regardless of what we say. But if you want to be involved... If you want to receive the blessings, if you want to feel God move and you want to see God move, you have to start saying yes to the things that God would have for you. So uh, they kind of fell on my heart several weeks ago, and along with uh, our route driver, Monica and Ed, and, and a lot of people that, that deal with the youth, and um, I ordered a whole bunch of snacks and stuff. So we put together these snack bags yesterday. And we put together song lyrics, and we put together uh, study stuff for, for reading scripture and, and scriptures and, and favorite devotions. And we had a few kids involved and, and a few other adults besides myself. Uh, I put it on my wife to organize a date and time where we could get this put together. Uh, and yesterday was the day and the time. Uh, but it all clearly lined up yesterday evening when I was reflecting on, on the day, just how good everything went. Um, but I'll share with you this. We were delivering bags to the kids, and, and we pull up to this house, and uh, the grandmother of these kids came out and said, I need your help. And I said, okay. So we went into the house, and we prayed. She said, I need you to pray for me. She was having a rough day. And I went in, and I prayed. Let me back up a little bit. When we were praying over the bags before we left, we, we gathered together, and we prayed over these bags. And what we prayed for was opportunity. We prayed that the bags would have an effectual difference in the lives of the children and the families that were receiving them. We also prayed for opportunity to share God's word, to speak in truth, that God would give us the wisdom and guidance uh, that we needed to answer 
questions or or give a statement um, for the reason of hope the bible tells us to always be ready in season and out of season to give a reason for our hope so that was my prayer yesterday before we headed out that god would give us an opportunity to share the good news gospel and to have an understanding enough and give us the words to say to answer those questions in time of need so when this lady asked me into uh, pray with her. I thought, what an opportunity, God, you truly have blessed what we're doing. And so as I hit my knees to pray in front of this lady, um, we prayed and, and God spoke through me. And then we got done praying and she was crying and she looked at me and she said, you don't know that you're an answered prayer. She said, I prayed this morning that God would send me somebody that would pray for me. And so I get goosebumps in the spirit just it's, it's so amazing how the organization of, of the people of the church through my wife's scheduling and through us just being obedient to God and the things that he would have for us and how we were all a part of the huge blessing to this lady, not only for her, but for each and every one of us. I, I haven't talked with the other route drivers, but it was a huge blessing getting to see these kids again, um, just their happy, smiling faces as they got just a little bag. And these bags, they weren't much, guys, but... It's more about the sentiment of actually caring and showing effectual love for one another than it is the things that we can give. Um, but that's kind of where God led my heart this week, and, and all week it's been building. Uh, he gave me a word early on in the week, and then I got the song list for today, and, and the things we did yesterday, and I just, God is sending us a clear message. The message to me to give to you guys today is that we cannot return to the church like we left it. Um, we get back and the song, I'm going to have her pull up the lyrics to the song we just sang, uh, getting back to the heart of worship. And in those lyrics, uh, go to the chorus if you would. Right there. Since I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Flip to the next one. Since I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you, it's no mistake that this song was played today because I believe that for too long the church has been gathering for other reasons other than for worshiping and praising our Savior and our God. Um, it's funny that. This, this sermon, the word that God gave me this week is, is solely based on that. And I, am, I say this message out of utmost love um, for my church family, but this is, this is for churches across the world. We have to get back to the heart of worship. We have to start gathering in Christ's name and not our own. We have to start going to seeking the Lord, not ourselves. It's not what can the church do for us. But how can I give back to my God? Um, that's our direction needs to change. I don't want to gather with the same discontent and backbiting and grumblings that we gathered with before. I'm excited to gather back together and watch the effectual change that God has made through this distancing. And I'm, I'm speaking to the body of Christ. I'm not speaking to a building because the building is just an empty building without God's children inside of it. And there's no spirit in here, but that God's children bring the spirit to it. 
So when you talk about coming back to church and when you talk about gathering again, remember that we're gathering in Christ's name, not in Mason's name, not in your name. We're not coming to church to be able to serve oneself or to lift our high up or, or show people our talents, but we're coming to give back to God the worship, praise, the honor, and the glory that he deserves. We're not coming back to fill a church pew for an hour. I would hope your church service started as soon as your head lifted off the pillow. When you say that first prayer that you started inviting the Spirit to change your life, and that by the time you get here to this building, that you are so overflowing with the Spirit that you walking in the door makes the service better. But not for you. For God. See, that's the change that I want to see in the church as we come back together, that we stop coming for ourselves, but we come to serve and to praise God. Because it's not about the person standing at the door. It's not about the person at the piano. It's not about the person standing behind the pulpit. It's not about the person behind the computer. It's not about all these things. We have to take it back to the heart of worship and remember what it's all about. And we have to remember that Jesus died for us without computers. Jesus died for us without a praise section. Jesus died for us without the sermon. Jesus died for us. Why? Because he loves us. That's the reason he died for us. So as we gather back in our churches, and I know some churches started today, and I know more churches will start next week and going into the future, more and more people from the body of Christ will start gathering together, but we have to remember where we came from and that we don't want it like that anymore. We want to gather in the name of Christ for Christ by the grace of God. And remember, it's not about us. And remember, it's not about me and what I can do. Or it's not about what they are not doing. And it's not about anything but worshiping and serving God. That's what we're gathered for. We have to gather together to love one another. I'm going to start out in Matthew. Because Matthew paints us a clear picture. Because I want you guys to know how to effectually change from where you were to where we need to be going, and that's getting back to the heart to gather together to praise, honor, and glorify God. So today in Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, we're going to learn biblically how to deal with these problems. Because I know in every church, in every gathering of people, there's going to be, look at her, and look at this, and look at that, and why aren't they doing this, or why are they doing that? And there's all these grumblings when who cares? We came here to serve God, and if you allow somebody to stand in your way of giving praise, honor, and glory to God, then you are serving them and not God. We don't want to be a stumbling block. We need to check ourselves. We need to 
check what we're doing and make sure we are focused on worshiping God like everybody else should be. But my person and my focus should not be the person sitting in front of me, however big or small their hair or head is, that they're blocking my view and I can't pay attention, or the kid running around yelling, screaming, the baby crying. It does not matter. We're here to serve God. And if that person and it's probably me, is singing off cue for the third and fourth and fifth time in the same song, I promise you that I'm not the best singer, but when I sing, I sing for God, and that is what matters. It doesn't matter what you sound like. It doesn't matter if you sit down and praise, if you stand up and praise, if you raise your hands, if your hands are in your pockets. Stop all this foolishness and come to give glory and honor to God. Couple easy steps Matthew gives us so that we can get back to the heart of worship, so that we can allow the Spirit to move throughout the body of Christ like it should. Last week I talked about us damming up the Spirit in the flow of the river of water of life. But here's the thing we do it the same within ourselves as we do at the church. We set up stumbling blocks for other people. We damn up the Spirit so that we can't receive it ourselves. And we do all of these things because we have a problem with other people, not because we have a problem with God. I had a brother in Christ once tell me, he said, church is awesome, people suck. And it's, it's, as bad as that sounds, it's, it's funny, but it's true. But we're all brothers and sisters, and we should be here collectively together to learn about the Word of God and to give Him praise, honor, and glory. So I'm going to start in Matthew 18, verse 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Alright, I want you to listen to what this says because if you have had a problem with somebody in the church and they are really being a stumbling block for you, go talk to them about it. Don't talk to your friend about it. Don't talk to the person sitting behind you in the pew about it. Don't get more people on your team collectively gathered against this person. Stop the grumbling. Go talk to that person. Go talk to that person. Don't talk to your wife about that person. Don't talk to your kids about that person. Don't talk to a deacon about that person. I'm telling you this because this is the biblical way we approach problems. It doesn't create other grumbling amongst other people. You have a feeling inside of you. You go address it with the person you have a problem with. Nobody else. Okay? This is biblical. This is how we approach things. Verse 16, it says, But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. This is not gathering a conviction team to go hammer somebody. This is seeking out two or three other people that have wisdom and biblical knowledge to help you gauge and guide you through the process. This is not a lynch mob. This is not a lynch mob. This is not 
speaking bad things to these other people. This is seeking biblical knowledge and help to confront a problem that is enabling you to serve and worship God within the body of Christ. I want to remember that anytime we approach one another, that we have to remember that we do it out of love. That we love our brothers and sisters in Christ enough that we care for and we want to work out these problems that's much like having a spouse. You don't tell them something to tear them down and to make them feel less than. You approach things to build and to create a stronger hold together. That's how you approach them. Because you care about their hearts and you care about their salvation. And you care about their growth and their walk in the Lord. That's why you're approaching them. If you cannot approach them in this manner, then the problem may be you. If you have hate build up inside of you, you probably shouldn't approach them. But you also shouldn't talk to everyone else in the church about that. Because I'm here today and God has given me a word to call the church to a higher standard. To call brothers and sisters in Christ to start treating each other as such. As brothers and sisters. In love and kindness and forgiveness. Because we have to remember, I think it's in Romans 3.23 where it says, For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have to remember that we all come from the same playing field. You've never not made a mistake. There's nobody sitting beside you in church that is better than you because he says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If there were people out there that were still perfect, we wouldn't have needed Jesus Christ. But in fact, God sent his son to die for us. Tells us that nobody, nobody can make it on their own. So if you're sitting there across the church eyeing somebody, having a problem with them, you need to address them. But you need to make sure that you address them out of edifying the body of Christ, out of love, looking to build one another up, looking to strengthen a relationship, looking to provoke one's walk with the Lord. Because if you don't care about their walk, and if you don't care if you're tearing them down, then guess what? They're probably not the problem. Because the things he says that come out of our mouth come from our heart. And so we have to look at ourselves and examine ourselves before we approach these things. Am I coming out of the right place? Am I coming out of them? Is this conversation going to be edifying and building? Is this conversation going to provoke their walk? These are the questions we need to ask, guys. These are hard questions. This was a hard message. And I really wanted to do this in person, but God put it on my heart, and I believe he put it on my heart a couple weeks before we got back together so that people could start praying about it, people could start seeking the Spirit's guidance in these situations because I know we had problems when we left, and guess what? If you didn't address those things, there are going to be problems when we return. But you are bringing them. You know, when we built our house, we anointed it with oil, and we prayed over my household, and we declared our house a territory of God, and I believe that He has ordained it as such 
But the only way the devil can get in is if I bring it. See, there's many people that pray for this church and pray for this building and pray for the devil not to be in the services in which we conduct. And the only way he is allowed in is if people bring him in. So as we go through this word today, I want you to know that it comes out of love and it comes out of edification for the body that we can get back to the heart of worship. That we can get back to the reason we gather in the first place. And that's to go over God's word together. That's to study together. That's to build together. That's to seek forgiveness and inspiration and expertise from people in God's word. And and gather off the spirit of one another as iron sharpens iron. And we can build one another up and we can edify the body. And ultimately we can change the world through the power of God the Creator. See, that's what I want. That's what God wants from His children, is the children that are willing to do what He asks them to do. And one of the best commands, He says, is put God first. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think we've been doing a very good job. Sometimes it's easier to be nicer to a stranger on the street than it is the person sitting next to you in the pew. Why? Because you know their flaws and you know their past. So you're going to hold that against them like you don't have flaws and you don't have a past? Or because you've never made a mistake, they're not allowed to make a mistake? Listen, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes today, but I hope it hits you square in the heart. Because that's what matters. See, Christ didn't die for a people so we could treat each other like he was treated. God didn't send his son as a sacrifice so that we could all run around and act like the people that crucified him. So in edifying the body of Christ, we have to start building. We have to start building one another. We have to start relying on the Spirit of God to guide us through the actions that He wants us to take. See, that's why you should start praying the minute your head pops off that pillow on Sunday morning or every morning for that fact. But you need to start praying for your church congregation. And you need to start praying for worship leaders. You need to start praying for Sunday school teachers. You need to start praying for your pastor and praying for the lost. And praying that God would change everything about the way we've been doing things. Because the way we were doing things had gotten so far from the truth. At the heart of worship. See, I'm not just talking about our church, but I'm talking about the church with Christ as the head. We have lost focus on the heart of worship, and we've got to get back to God's fundamental word and allow him to speak and to work through us. Yesterday was a prime example of God's children saying yes to doing what God had called them to do, and it involved like eight people, and every one of us said yes, and it culminated with being able to pray with the lady that prayed to God that he would send somebody to pray with her. 
See, chopping yourself off, saying you're not that important just because you don't lead worship or you don't lead Sunday school or you don't play the piano or you don't run a computer or you don't stand behind the pulpit. See, God's children are important to him. That's why he sent his own son. But those are the reasons why we gather in his name. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's because of him and what he done. He deserves the honor, praise, and glory for everything that has taken place, for who you are, for allowing you to be saved. I'm going to be switching over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 as we continue down this road. It's all about unleashing the Spirit of God. That has been on my heart so heavy the last two or three weeks. We have got to allow the Spirit of God to work in us, through us, and around us. Because see, if I had, if God had buildings full of people seeking Him, this land would be healed. How do I know that? Because He tells us in His Word that of my people who are called by my name. See, that's God's children. If we were seeking Him like we were supposed to, if we were repenting and turning away from our sinly nature and turning towards Him like we were supposed to, our land would be healed. Well, guess what? We could have started yesterday, but we're here today. We can start today. Let's turn from our wicked ways. Let's turn, let's repent, and let's start seeking God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our strength. Let's get rid of all the negativity about this person's doing this or this person's not doing that or, or they should do it like this or they should sing that song or they shouldn't sing that song or he should have taught that lesson better. It doesn't matter. We all have flaws. We are all imperfect. That's why God sent His Son because we are a people that needed saving. All foolishness aside, let's get back to the heart of worship. I'm going to start in Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. It says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by the love serve one another. We have been called by the freedom. We have been set free by Jesus Christ's sacrifice. He calls us to freedom not to serve our flesh, but to serve one another out of love and out of God's purpose. These aren't my words. This is biblical text. This is God putting a standard in for his children to have success. See, God wants us to succeed, but none of us read the word enough that we can follow it. Why? Because we're imperfect. That's why we needed Jesus Christ, but that's why we can't sit next to the person in church next to us and put them down all day. Because see, their imperfections are just like your imperfections. Only you're not looking on the inside, you're looking across the aisle. See, this isn't made to put people down. This sermon is not to bring down the body of Christ, 
But the reason the law was made so that people could realize that they were sinning. We have to realize through this change and through these live services where we haven't been able to gather that we need to change what we were doing and get into the new thing that God is doing. And he wants his children to love each other. He wants his children to build each other up. And he wants his children to gather to praise, honor, and glorify his name and his kingdom. See, that's what I want. Envision this. You show up to church on Sunday morning, and they aren't fake smiles. They aren't fake hellos. They aren't fake we're doing great. They aren't fake singing. That everyone was genuine, that they truly are glad to be here. That they truly are singing from the bottom of their heart praises and songs. That they're not lying to you when they say that everything is fine in their family, but their family after this quarantine is better than it's ever been. See, I long for a church that doesn't grumble and backbite and backslide and do these different things. And that's what God wants because He says, when my son comes back, He's gathering a spotless and blemishless bride. So we have to start edifying the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, and building one another up instead of tearing each other down. We have to build towards the kingdom of God. I'm not perfect, but at the end, when I receive my crown of righteousness, not because of what I've done, but because Christ has done, then I will be truly righteous. But until then, I'm no better than anybody else. Everybody's got a past. I've got a past. Everybody's made mistakes. I've made mistakes, and that makes me no better than anybody else. But if I can use my mistakes in my past to help build somebody to get through theirs, victory in Jesus. Because Jesus pulled me out. I didn't pull myself out. I didn't save myself. But the shed blood of Christ is what saved me because i got a Father in heaven that loves me. But see, you can be that tool when you say yes to God. You can be that effectual tool that helps pull somebody out of their darkness or the reflection of God through you can give somebody some light in a seamless, hopeless situation. See, we should be using the shovel to dig each other out instead of using it to bury one another. So I hope after all of this, not only my congregation, but every church body, every Jesus Christ body is changed from this. That we come back and we realize the importance of God in our church and the spirit in our church. Not that we start at 11 and end at noon, but the spirit is there when we get there because we've been talking to God all morning. And we want the spirit to change every person that enters the door. And we don't care if it takes till 3 o'clock in the afternoon for that to be done because we're here for God and not ourselves. See, that's what God wants. He wants a children that seeks after Him. He wants a children in a group that loves Him. He wants a children in a group that love one another, that build one another up, that seek His kingdom first. See, He pulled us into freedom. Verse 13 says, For brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only you're not. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, 
but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 15 says, But if you backbite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, if you summon the Spirit and you talk to God as soon as your head pops off that pillow and you start walking in the Spirit and you start talking in the Spirit and you start singing in the Spirit and you start praying in the Spirit from the time your head pops off that pillow to the time you get to church and you bring the Spirit with you, people will feed off of that. Because, see, we don't have to pray for the Spirit to come into this church because everybody that has walked through the door has brought the Spirit of God with them. And when all the people bring the Spirit of God with them, imagine the revival that will take place and the breakout that will be and lives will be changed for eternity. See, I'm not just a hopeless romantic. This is realistic if the children of God start doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. And walking by the Spirit and not in the flesh is one of those things. See, all this stuff about he said, she said is all of the flesh and it's all temporal and it doesn't matter. But if you come in this door and you're singing psalms and praises and it comes from your heart and you say I love you to the person that opened the door for you and you mean it, you are bringing the Spirit of God with you and the Spirit of God and walking in the Spirit is eternal. And you're seeking after eternal things and not allowing fleshly things to derive your attention and bringing Satan in. 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. See, I can't help think, but Elijah, when he was talking to the, the worshipers of Baal, when he was having his sacrifice, he said, it's time that you decide who you are going to worship. Because, see, they worshiped Baal, but they still relied on God a little bit, and they were kind of on the fence, and God says, you can't have two gods. You either choose me or you don't choose me. Elijah said, it is time for you to make a decision on what God that you are going to serve. Are you going to serve Baal or are you going to serve the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob? And after God brought the fire down from heaven, all of the worshipers of Baal got on their knees and they praised and gave honor and glory to God above. It's time for you to make a decision. Are you here to serve the flesh? Are you here to walk after fleshly things? Are you here to just put a smile on your face and tell everybody that everything's okay? Or are you here to serve God? Are you here to seek answers? Are you here for your life to be changed? Because see, when we lay it all out for God, from the bottom of our heart, and we give Him everything, your life will be changed. Because there's not one ounce of you left serving the flesh, the corruptible, disposable flesh. See, you're seeking after a God 
that is 100% pure and righteous and has eternal weight attached to it. See, they battle for one another because the, the king of this world, Satan, walks about seeking who he can devour and destroy. And when you serve that nature, you will be devoured and destroyed. Anytime we seek the flesh over the spirit, we will get ate up by this world. That's why it says they are on the contrary. You can't serve both the flesh and the spirit. Today is the day that you make a decision. Pastor, I made that decision a long time ago. Did you? Did you make that decision a long time ago? Look at your life. What are you serving? What is it that you put above everything else? I pray that you have your priorities in life. I pray that we can all seek the kingdom of God and that we all seek the spirit. But that's where we need each other. We need one another to build each other up. In verse 18 it says, But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. These are the works of the flesh. Check yourself. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, Wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, check yourself again, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of lust. See, I believe that once we accept Christ, we are hidden inside him. And that's why the devil has to roam the earth seeking who he can devour. Because when you are Christ and you are doing godly things, I believe that we are hid in Christ. We have to change what we've been doing. Because I believe 100% in God's word. And he said, of my children who are called by my name will turn away. Start seeking me. He'll heal our land. Our land is not healed, guys. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our land is not healed, but it is in need of healing. And it is in need of a healer. If you come to church, if you gather together seeking what they can do for you, you are seeking yourself and not God. We have to seek the will of the Father. We have to seek after the Spirit. We 
have to seek after the things that God would have for us and not what we would have for ourselves because it isn't the way that I want a church service to go. It's the way that God wants the church service to go. It's not about who I want to change. It's about who God wants to change. And it's not about who I want to love, but God wants to love all of his creations and he loves all of his creations. And I believe that he is hurting for his children that are serving the flesh instead of the spirit. So start praying now, church, before we start getting back together, that God would heal your heart, that God would have a divine intervention in your life, that when we gather back together, we wouldn't put on fake smiles. We wouldn't be like, oh man, we have to go back to church. We would be like, we get to go to church today. I get to see that person. I can make amends with them because today I'm going to start seeking the spirit and laying off of the flesh because the flesh is disposable, but my spirit lasts forever. And I'm going to start seeking after spiritual things. I'm going to start seeking after meekness and gentleness and kindness and love. And all these backbitings and discontentment and, and we should do this different or that different or you shouldn't talk like that or you shouldn't do this. We can be there and say, brother, I love you and I want to help you. Let me know if there's anything that I can do. I've been praying for you and your family. I'm here to lift you up and build you up the best that I can. Imagine if your church came back and every person that entered the door was truly seeking the presence of God, what a day that would be. Because revival would break out and the Spirit would be unleashed. Because there would be no one holding it back. See, I look forward to this day. And I hope that the first time that we gather back together as a church family, it is like that and that the service lasts all day and that there's people that need to be baptized and there's people that accept Christ and that the lives are changed of God's children. And I need you to bring the Spirit of God with you. I need you to come seeking God Almighty. I need you to come seeking His purpose, not your own. Don't come to see how so-and-so has been or what their family looks like now. Who cares? Come seeking God above all else. If you don't like the way they sing, listen to the words and not their voice. If you don't like what I'm saying, get into God's Word on your own. If you don't like what the Sunday school teacher has to say, then study God's Word on your own, but don't hold it against them because they're answering the call of God in their own way. I believe that we've had it all wrong. But if we come back Seeking the heart of worship. There's going to be revival. If God's children start gathering in his name, in his name alone, revival will break out. So start praying today. Start praying right now that whatever things that have bothered you about the church in the past, that you can deal with, that you can confront, 
that you can handle, that you can change, that you can allow God to change you, that you can allow God to change them, but allow it to be God and God in the full and none of you. Because I'm tired of seeing a church that is self-seeking of what I can do better, what they can do better, how this can be different. But instead, we need to get back to the heart of worship, and we need to apologize. It says, I'm sorry for the way I've been doing it. Seek God in everything that you do. And the rest will work out. Seek God above everything else. And he says, I'll take care of the rest. The only job that you have as a child is to seek him above all else. That's it. Seek him above all else. I've been praying for you guys. I've been praying for the return of the Spirit of God into the church body so that when Christ returns, he finds a spotless bride. See, we needed an effectual change. We needed to get back to the heart of God. We needed shaken to our core so that we would realize the things that we were doing wasn't working. But I believe that God's children will come together and that we can seek Him first and allow Him to take care of everything else. I pray for you today. If you would, bow your heads with me as we close in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this word. God, thank you for your involvement in my life, in my church family, in this world, God, in the creation that you created, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ, we can have access to you, that we can talk to you, that we can confide in you, that we can find shelter in times of weakness, in times of storms, that we can be anchored in your promises, that you give us words to go on, even though it's bad, it still is good, and God, only you can do that. <clears throat> God, I pray for the church body that is under one head, and that's Christ Jesus. That we would stop all this grumbling and self-seeking, Lord, and that we would come together reunited in one spirit, in one baptism, in one faith, it says. God, the revival would break out across this land, Lord, that you would heal us. Because your children are finally seeking after you first. God, I believe it can happen. God, I pray for your children and myself alike, God, that I can always seek you first. I pray that I can always bring the Spirit with me wherever I go, whether it's to church or to the grocery store. God, that my head and my thoughts and my speech has everything to do with you. God, that I can have church on the sidewalk down the street just as easily as I can in this building. 
God, that my thoughts and my words and my action represent your light in the grocery store just as much as they do here on Sunday morning. God, I pray for a people that long for you. God, I pray that lives will be changed forever as we seek your purpose and we seek after what you would have for us first. God, that we would allow people to hold us back from standing up in the middle of a church service and raising our hands and shouting hallelujah. That there's no shame in praising you. That there is no guilt about getting excited to the word that you have given us. And there is no doubt that you have given us promises to stand on. God, I thank you for your presence as always. God, I thank you for the opportunity to do your work. God, I pray that I would continually be obedient to you and what you would have for me and my family. But that's not my immediate family. That is my family that shares the same blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would seek you first. God, that we would say yes to you whenever you call us in whatever measure it is, relying on you, not ourselves. God, help us see you better. God, help us seek you better. God, put a desire inside of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.